Okay, I'm obsessed with Audible because it lets you enjoy all of your audio entertainment in one app. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from their entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. And with female writers and heroines, celebrity narration, multicast productions, Audible has you covered for every type of excitement that you're looking for, including true crime and mystery. And I know all of you love that too. For example, right now, I'm listening to None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash reality life or text reality life to 500 500. That's audible.com slash reality life or text reality life to 500 500. With DoorDash, there's something for everyone. You need a birthday gift? Check. Need to stock up on meals, sides, and drinks that your family loves? Also check. Pet ran out of food again? They've got it. Wellness essentials need a restock? It's a good thing they've got those too. The DoorDash app allows you to customize, substitute, schedule, and track your orders, as well as communicate with your shopper while receiving real-time updates. This has been a huge game changer for myself and for our family. Millions of people trust DoorDash for groceries, pet supplies, gifts, well-being, and more, and you should too. Shop with DoorDash and enjoy big savings. Use code KATECASEY to get 50% off, up to $10 value on $15 minimum subtotal on your next convenience, grocery or retail order. For eligible users only, terms apply. The Amazing Kate Casey! Welcome back to another episode of Reality Life with Kate Casey. Hope that you guys have had a great week. I know that I am not looking forward to going back to school or at least homeschooling my kids next week. But fortunately, we have lots of TV shows that can help us escape from the real world, if you will. So this episode I'm really excited about, especially if you love all shows on Bravo. This is a Bravo pack show. So my first guest is Nadine Rajabi. She is a former guest of mine. She's the showrunner for Below Deck Mediterranean. Lots of people, including myself, have been very fired up about Captain Sandy firing Hannah. So I wanted to ask her about what happens behind the scenes when a decision like this comes about and the relationships between the crew members of this season. And then I got a chance to talk to Teddy Mellencamp from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. It's been a great season so far. Of course, they're all arguing with Denise Richards, and we've been watching this season, trying to figure out what happened between Denise and Brandy. So I was very excited to talk to her. So kick back, grab yourself something nice to drink. Just let yourself go. Ignore children, your spouse, your coworkers, the barking dogs next door, and give yourself a little moment to rest this week. So here we go. So on Monday, August 17th episode of Below Deck Mediterranean, which I love, Bravo viewers watched as Captain Sandy fired the longtime Chief Stew after undeclared Valium and a CBD pen were found among her belongings by co-star Malia White. Nadine Rajabi is Below Deck Med's showrunner. She's been a guest on the show before, and I've been dying to talk to her all week about the episode. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Kate. How are you? I'm good. So let's t- talk about the episode. Um, Obviously, people are just fired up about the episode. I was hoping that you could kind of give us a, a window into what your role is as showrunner, what 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 the role of production is, and kind of what the timeline of events were. Right. So basically, you know, I think the biggest, you know, there, there's a lot, obviously a lot of chatter going on on social, and I'm listening and I'm hearing all of it. 
Um, you know, our job as a production crew, and a lot of people are going to say this is a PR answer, but this is the absolute truth, is that we're just there to document. We're not there to plant drugs, make anything happen, tell people what to say. And, you know, that's become the biggest conversation of like people are asking production why they allow these things to happen. We can't get involved in this stuff. And, you know, I think that the one thing this show has and what's different from any other series is the fact that, you know, we are beholden by maritime law, by mother nature, by, you know, anything that may happen. It's like, you see when we have like on other episodes, when there's rain or wind, the boat doesn't leave the dock. It's like, we don't want that as a production crew. We don't set that up. We don't set the rain up. We don't set up people bringing, you know, um, prescription medication or anything like that. And, you know, I think that there's, I think a lot of people think that production has a big hand in that. And the truth is we really don't. And that's why I think people are really up in arms about it because it's really real and it's really raw. And it was a hard day for everybody involved. I know I was, I was really upset that day because Hannah, somebody that I've worked with for a very long time. I mean, I was her first interview on that green screen when we were in Greece in Naxos and, you know, and I did her last interview when she left the show and she's somebody that I'm close to and, you know, it's, it's, she could speak to that a little more um, than I can, but it's, you know, that, that's, that's our involvement is we're there to, you know, it doesn't matter how close we are to a person on the show or not. It's like, we're just there to document. We can't editorialize it. I, I didn't want it to go down that way. <laughs> that's for sure. But I can't control, I'm not God, you know, I can't control things. So at the beginning of the season, before you set charter, you have to have everyone on the boat fill out the seafarer form, correct? Correct. And so... And on that form, they have to disclose, you know, what medications they're taking, what, you know, basically their whole history, their medical history, everything like that. And then do you say to them, is there some sort of part of the form that says... I, you know, I acknowledge everything is true to this form. I have not left anything out, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I believe now I haven't seen this form. I, I, I obviously believe it's like, you shouldn't be lying on that. It's kind of like when you go into a doctor's office and you, you know, fill out your medical history and things like that. Like, you know, I think that it, you really should not be lying on that because I, you know, that will impact a lot of things. You know, I, I think that's, kind of what that is but I do know when they sign onto the boat they have they you know they've got to sign all these forms off also they have to go through you know all these certification courses and things like that there's a lot of like paperwork that goes involved before you can even board a yacht and classes and training is this something that the team found unusual that someone would have left this information off of a form like does this happen periodically was this unusual I I, I don't know, honestly. I mean, the biggest thing is what I know, and, you know, Hannah said it in the episode this past Monday, is that she, the mistake that she made was she should have checked it in with the captain. So I'm assuming it was not checked in, um, and that, I think, was the biggest thing. And, you know, the bigger thing is, you know, Sandy did not fire Hannah for, I mean, for having, for having prescription medication on the boat. She had said it was a risk to take the sea. I think that was just because, and I don't know why, that was obviously up to the captain's discretion, um, and a captain can let anybody go on a yacht for any reason at all, uh, as long as they're paid for two weeks and those even basically two weeks severance. So, um, I believe that was just so you didn't go through all of the, you know, different legal ramifications that would go through having medication on, on the boat. Now, the one part 
um, that does exist that's not on the show is that that type of boat that that typical that that vessel actually is an ISM boat, and that's a special. There's special regulations that go with those boats and those yachts. And in the bridge, where and the bridge is where basically the captain. That's the control center where you see, you know, uh, the captain docking, leaving, like where everything is, all the controls are. There is an extra camera. There's an extra camera that is on the top of the ceiling that it has nothing to do with production, and that records everything. So God forbid there's a fire on board, something happens. It almost serves as the black box of the boat. And that records everything. So when there's information like this, it's on there. It's kind of like your hands are tied because it's recorded. So what I know and from what we've documented is in conversations is, you know, if Sandy is given this information and there were a couple of people that were, uh, I believe, copied on this that were uh, not that nothing to do with production uh, from what I've heard, um, you know, her hands were tied because there was a lot of conversations about it in the bridge and, that whole boat was being recorded in the bridge. I don't know if there's other cameras. I know that there's one on the aft deck, which is, you know, one of the decks towards the back of the boat. Um, but uh, I do know that that boat is completely wired and information basically goes back to the management company. And so if anybody ever has to go to court, if something like that happens, they pull that information because they would, insurance will do anything to not pay their claims if there's like a tragedy on board and obviously the people on the boat will do anything to dispute what happened. You know, if, if there's an engine fire, if there's anything like that, no, this is not an engine fire or anything like that, but this is, it should have been checked in and, and Hannah owned that. And so that was a, that was, I think the biggest thing. And we were watching it all unfold the way you did. And, you know, obviously we, we couldn't control how everything went down um, because it was all just follow and watch. And a lot of it was surveillance footage. And so that's um that was a tough that was a tough thing. You can't take any of that stuff. It obviously was beyond the network's control because the maritime law, it's like like I was saying with the show, is this is what's different. It's like if, you know, I think on another series, it's like there's a bigger discussion with the network. If a housewife's not gonna come back or, you know, a realtor, somebody's not gonna come back for a series. On something like this, if somebody's let go from the vessel, that's it. There's nothing the network can do to control this. It's very black and white. So if there, someone's let go from the vessel, it's like there's no way that that person can, they're discharged from that vessel. Now there is a, you know, there's more paperwork that goes into, can this person ever come back to yachting or was this almost like a, I mean, I don't know what the exact term is, but almost like an example of being like a misdemeanor and things like that. Now, Hannah can go work on another boat. Um, this was not, you know, seen as a black belt from yachting thing. So it wasn't anything like that, but this is something that was completely out of everybody's control. So that is a, you know, it's like your hands are tied. It's there's no discussion. It is what it is. And, and we just have to follow it. Now, like that's what's so crazy. Like you have to get a control. So I'm like, we actually could not have, there's nothing we could have done. It's up, it's up to you. It's black and white. Like you said, there's cabin checks on those boats. And a lot of boats have cabin checks. A lot of times, um, you know, it's either the boat center or the chiefs do, they can go through and they're unannounced cabin checks where they're kind of making sure that your beds are made, that there's not stuff going on and things like that. So we actually did have a cabin check that did not make, um, the series and maybe based on all of this, that's something that we released as a, as a digital piece, but we had a cabin check. It just didn't pass, <laughs> Jessica didn't pass the cabin check because of bed Cause there's certain, there's protocol, like your bed has to be made. There's certain things like that, but that's like, the benign part of it. It's like they could search anything basically. So um, there are routine cabin checks that happen on these boats. Also um, with these cabin, it, it's, I mean, that's basically, <laughs> they, they could go through anything at any point. 
Now, there's also, and you could look this up, in the 90s during the drug war, during the Bush administration, there was a boat that got seized because they found one joint on it. The name of the boat was Monkey Business. And listen, do I think that that was a boat that needed to get seized for that reason? Because marijuana is legal in a lot of states. It's obviously federally not legal, but in states it is. And at that time, it wasn't. Um, no, I mean, I don't think the punishment fit the crime, but they're trying to make an example out of out of this boat. And so they seized a whole vessel uh, with the name Monkey Business because they found one joint on that boat. Like a lot of people like to paint production in such a bad way, like, uh, you know, bad light and we're just evil producers and things like that. The truth is like, uh, you know, that is not us. And like, uh, personally speaking, I can only speak for myself. Like I'm an empath. I, and I've talked about it before in other interviews. It's like, I don't like it when people fight. It makes me upset. And, and I can't go get involved obviously, because that's the hardest part of like seeing things unfold because you actually feel bad for both parties and you need no more information because you've been watching all this footage. But you know, the whole crew was really, really upset by it. And it was something that was nobody wanted to see, you know, the the person that's been leaving the show from season one to go, especially that way. You know, I think that Hannah obviously didn't want to go that way. She wanted to go out by her own accords. And so when that's kind of struck from somebody, I think that's a really hard thing. That's not how any of us wanted her to go out. I personally would have loved to see Hannah saying, you know what? I, I'm, I'm done with yawning and I'm going to move on. You know, that would have been everybody's perfect scenario. Well, I think she also, uh, she said that she felt like that, that there were things that Sandy did that may, that were, could be damaging to her up, reputation. I mean, it did seem like, you know, Brian took painkillers for his injury. Travis was drinking and handling heavy machinery. Kat admitted that she had an anxiety problem, but somehow the way that she she feels like she was painted as somebody who was un like unstable to be working on a boat. Right. Did Sandy have a little bit of an axe to grind with her? Because it seems like she's much more forgiving of other people. I mean, I think that you know, I think that both of them can say that they've had a very tumultuous relationship and they've had a lot of ups and downs, and you know, they've had a couple resets. And you know, I think. Personally, you know, whether, you know, she had an axe to grind with her or not, like the truth is when she got that text and there's other people that were copied on it um, and, you know, out of legal reasons, we could not show that, um, but it was nobody in production. There were other yachties, um, but um, that was something that she had to address, especially because it was documented. Now, I, I don't, I don't know, honestly, like I, and I think that with other people taking medication, I can't speak to Kat. I think that's, I, I don't know how Lee runs his boats, um, you know, because I've, I've only worked on one season with Lee. I've worked on actually a couple, but they were in post-production. Um, but I think that Sandy's hands were tied. And I think that there's too many people that were involved at that moment with the management company and those things like that. But um, other people taking pills or whatever they were, it was on their own. And it was not something that obviously the captain was aware of. I mean, I know that Lee was aware of the cat situation, but I, I don't, I was not on the show then. So I actually don't know um, how or why that went down. Um, so it, it's a really tough, I'm not skating around this question. I actually just, I don't know, to be honest with you, but the two of them have had a tumultuous relationship. And I think that they would both say that, but I do know that Sandy has spoken to me and she has said that is not how she wanted Hannah to go either. It's like, I think that they both would have been happy if, you know, they could have just finished out the season because Sandy likes Hannah, likes Hannah, like wishes her the best. And I think that Hannah, you know, as well, like Sandy, I think that right now the relationship is very severed because of everything. But up to that, I think it was like, 
probably, I, I can't speak for them, but general annoyance like you have with a coworker that, you know, sometimes you butt heads with, sometimes you don't. But listen, I, I, I can see how people see it. And that's like, you know, I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't see that. I'd like, you know, I'm, I'm human. <laughs> I can physically see when there's a tumultuous relationship. Well, that last, that scene where she's leaving the boat and, and Sandy keeps trying to talk to her. I mean, when you're putting that together, are you like, ooh, when seen the way that we are, like, oh man, just like walk away, leave her alone. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was tough because I think Sandy really wanted to, it was kind of like, I think it's, I think it was like that final goodbye. Of like, what do you, it's, it's like a bad, I don't want to even, it, it, it's unfair to call it like a bad fight or a bad breakup because there was so much more that was involved. And there was like, you know, it had to do with medication and it had to do with, you know, Hannah's, you know, panic attacks and things like that. So that it's really hard to compare it to anything. Um, but I think that Sandy felt really bad about everything, to be honest with you. I really do. So I think that that's probably what that, what that was. I can't speak for her, but just being an observer, it's like, I think she felt bad, truly. I have to ask you about Malia. Malia, Malia. Yes. She, like, her boyfriend happens to be visiting the area when, when you guys need a chef. Like, yes. how did that work out? And why did okay. why did this everyone <laughs> why did everyone seem to be okay with her making the choices about the cabins? I mean, it seemed like absurd for Hannah and Bugs to share a cabin so that the other two could have sex with each other. Gross! Like, and then you're gonna I, have to watch honestly, footage of that. Ew. I <laughs> I don't know. I honestly that I, that that was something that was on them. That's something we documented and we were all kind of watching it unfold being like, wow, like this is really, really, you know, it's like I could see, you know, the, the one point that Malia made is that she had to share a cabin with Hannah. She didn't really like ha- Hannah in the beginning. And I know Hannah's point of view and Bugsy's point of view. It's like they just finally got to a good spot to work together and they didn't want to like it was going to ruin their working relationship. Like I, you know, it, I think it became a battle of. I don't, I actually can't speak to that because it was really, that was not something that was, I think that was just all preference and something that they was a personal beef between the two of them. Now, Tom coming, this is something that I can speak to. Not that I wasn't able to speak to the other thing. There was just literally nothing behind it except for the two of them not wanting to live with the, uh, you know, Hannah not wanting to live with bugs and Malia wanting to share with her boyfriend. And that, that argument got a little ugly as we both saw. Um, but there was nothing that was like, there was no rules or laws behind that. That's all up to, you know, discretion. And, and a lot of captains, if you do join a boat as a couple, you can typically, you know, room together. But there's no rules. It's all up to, you know, discretion of other crew members and up to the captain and things like that. Um, so I, I I don't know. I really, it was, it was something that we both saw unfold at the same time as, as everybody else did. Now, Tom coming, he was always supposed to come because it was crew day off. We knew he was coming. It was something we she'd had multiple conversations about. I know the Kiko uh, firing was really tough. Kiko, at that point, when, you know, he had, she had forced, he had forced Sandy's hand when he's like, after the charter, then I leave. And that was a big thing. Um, and it was really important because Kiko was so adorable, so lovable. I think what was hard is that Kiko, you know, really did kill it in the 72 place. And I think people saw that. I think that Kiko was in over his head, and that's something that he would tell you as well. And if anybody actually have a has a conversation with them, he would he they would tell you the same thing. 
Um, there's a couple crew meals that he had missed or he was behind on his, you know, there's a lot of things that kind of didn't make the show, not on purpose, but just because there was no timing for it. And I think that if they actually saw everything um, and Sandy and helping him, like, you know, putting him in the bed early, cleaning the dishes and things like that, that they would have gotten a better picture. And so maybe that's our fault as production of not painting the whole picture. But, it, you know, as we're going through it, that was not a thing that was intentional being like, oh, let's just make him look perfect and hide all the blemishes. It was just, we had no time for it. You know, we didn't have a criminal. We don't have time for a criminal story. We didn't have time, you know, because it didn't become, there's so many other things that were going on at the time, as you know, you know, Pete getting demoted. Um, there's a lot of things that were going on, as you know, a lot of moving parts, but Tom was always supposed to come. Sandy was actually looking for another chef. There was, it was tough to find another chef. Um, and at the time we'd had somebody else lined up and some things kind of happened and it was another female chef actually, and she couldn't make it and so went because all of us were like um we don't have a chef what are we going to do and that's obviously not for us to figure out all we have you know as a production we've got to vet them you know you know do all the protocol you know with bravo with like you know they go through psych testing they do all these things so that's our job but like you know and and trying to find a chef as well but like you know the chef that we all collaborated on was not able to make it so tom staying was kind of a godsend in that sense and I think that he probably you'll see a little bit like there's a lot that goes on I mean he's a very qualified yacht chef like he's on huge boats um and he was in Europe from uh I forget where he came from I I, I don't know if it was um where he was coming from but basically he'd flown to to Europe back home to go see Malia and then he was going to go back to the UK to see his uncle who was very sick who unfortunately I believe is not with us anymore um, very sadly, but, um, that was basically why he, he even went there, but he was going to go visit Malia and he ended up staying because it was only two more weeks at that point. And so, you know, at any point, if he got that call, something happened with his uncle, he was going to have to leave as well. So that was not a setup. I know it looked like it. I promise you it wasn't. Um, and Bugsy as well earlier, everyone thought it was a foil. It really wasn't. She was a, there's two other second students that were lined up and they both fell through. And so that was kind of like a last minute thing. Um, and listen, Hannah and Bugs got along perfect. She was not there to set up or take Hannah's job at all. And I think it was a really touchy subject, but the Tom thing, I know it looks like, I know what it looks like. I, you know, swear to you on my, on my grandmother's grave, that that was not something that was set up. It was a, can you please stay? We are dying for a chef because otherwise I really don't know what they would have done. I truly don't. To make grilled cheese sandwiches. Um, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's built up this conversation, bigger conversation about mental health and also like violation of someone's privacy. Um, right. are, how are you feeling about that? And is there, is there Listen, I, anything I, you want I to say about that? The, yeah, I do. I think the mental health argument, I don't think anybody's denying mental health. And I think that a lot of people on social media right now are like, you know, they're cursing at me, they're cursing at everybody to bravo about mental health. This is not an issue of mental health. Like I'm a huge advocate of mental health. I, I know you are. You know, everybody and, and everybody on the cast would, that, that's ever worked with me would actually tell you that I am not that person. And, you know, I would say a, 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 most of the people we work on the production are not those people. And that is not the narrative that we are trying to put out there. And I have apologized, like actually to, to people that have actually written, I'm like, hey, like, if that's how it's come across, I'm really sorry. I know that Hannah, you know, in season three, when she had her panic attacks, we really addressed that. And that was something that we did not take lightly at all. And I don't take mental health lightly. Like I'm somebody that's 
I'm very open about it. I see a therapist. I, you know, there's a lot of things that, that I deal with as, as a human being. Like, like I'm a huge proponent of mental health. So I think the argument of mental health is getting thrown in there because if somebody, you know, they're thinking that somebody's getting fired for the mental health. That was not the case at all. Um, the, uh, you know, it's unfortunate that that's what happened in the time of at all. Now, the Malia part of it, I really can't speak to. I know there's a lot of things being said about, you know, she saw rappers in the bathroom and things like that. The truth is, as a production crew, we, and, and as production and what we have, um, and it's no secret, and if it is, you know, here it is exposed, is that we do not have cameras in the bathroom. That is their personal space. Like, personally, I wouldn't watch anybody, no, I wouldn't gross. want anybody watching me poop, you know what I mean? Like, that's their personal space. The rule is, if there's more than two people in a bathroom, then we can send a camera in there. But, you know, anything you see when they go in that bathroom yeah. surveillance, that's as, that's as, right. That's as far as the surveillance goes. So anything that was in the bathroom, I actually cannot speak to. And that's something that a lot of people are like asking me about. And I'm like, honestly, we don't have that footage because I, I didn't, I didn't see it, you know? And so that's, that's the issue. Um, and that's, I think that's a big argument that we're being blamed for. And, you know, we have saying certain things. You know, Malia's same thing, so is Hannah, and so is Sandy. It's like everybody is, you know, people are just deciding to take one person's word over another. And, you know, that's fine. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. Now, the timing of it all with it, I, you know, that's that's not for me to say anything either, because that's not something that I controlled. Um, or, and I, you know, my job is to stay as unbiased as possible. And sometimes when you see things, it's, it's hard not to have emotional connection to things. But um, what's out there is what you guys see. And, you know, we try to present every side to the argument. And I understand that some people might think that it was editorialized a certain way. It really wasn't. That's just really what, that's just what happened. And so I wish we had more to show, but we actually, we didn't, we had, that was what you guys see is what you get. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it was shrunk down, but it, nothing was left out in the edit in that sense. And, you know, we, you see the, you know, it, 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 what's in the, what we saw is what you guys see, basically. So we have a big surprise coming this week. There's someone from the past yeah. that will show up and it's, yeah. we're going to see Tom try to, to salvage the meals while dealing with his girlfriend aboard the ship. And then we've got Rob and Jessica who look like they want to bone every three minutes <laughs> and you are present for all of this. and. Yes. And it's all wild. So people can catch there's, below there's things deck. That I can't unsee, Kate. There are things that I, I cannot I, unsee. I can't even <laughs> imagine. I can't even imagine. Below deck is every Monday night. It's a huge hit. Obviously, everybody's been watching the last two weeks. Um, so we've got about seven more episodes. Um, will we have a eight actually eight starting episodes? Monday? Yeah. And then I'm yeah. assuming yeah. we're gonna have to have a reunion, right? I, I can't confirm that, but I believe that they are um, talking about it. And so I think that's going to be very explosive if there is one. And I think that people are ready to talk. Um, oh, yeah. But I it, it's not completely confirmed, um, but I, I they're definitely talking about it. And but the surprise is going to come Monday, Kate. I'm very excited about. Um, I can't say who it is. I, it's already kind of been teased at the end of this episode. So if anybody's actually paying attention to voices or laughs, they'll know exactly who it is. But it's it's one of my it's one of my faves i'll say that it's a good one i know i know who it is it's good yeah. it's good and i'm not supposed to be biased I, I i like this person as a human being how's that well that's good that's important all right well th yeah. thank you a million times keep up the fight thank you and 
<laughs> and and I yes, I really appreciate your time, and I appreciate everyone who's watching, and um, and I thank you guys for all your comments, and you know we we are hearing and listening, so um, thank you so much, Kate. Okay, so first out of the gate is how's Dove doing? I I think I may have mentioned to you my sister, older sister, had the same surgery as a child. I I when I saw that message, I was in like such a fog because I you know I had asked our my pediatrician you know how many other kids have you seen that has then ended up being diagnosed with this and she was like none, and I remember oh, being like really? oh my gosh. And, yeah, and I was so grateful that once I did do the post and open up to everybody that there, you know, so many people reached out and said, you know, yes, it's really hard, but the hardest part is leading up to the surgery. And then, you know, and everyone was right. I mean, the the days in the hospital were difficult because, you know, you could tell that she was confused and having, you know, there was times where she was in pain, but like kids are so resilient. Like yeah. if other than her scar right now or where her stitches are, you wouldn't even know that she had surgery. She is so happy. She's laughing constantly. She's already back to sleeping through the night. I'm like, if I had that kind of surgery and that kind of like that many stitches across my head, like I would be probably complaining. <laughs> like, And she's just so happy. And I'm so grateful. Like surgeons are incredible. And the nurses were so nice. And I'm just really, really lucky and blessed that she's doing so great. Like 40 years ago when my sister had it done, they told my mom, well, just so you know, she may never talk again. And the only thing that happened as a result was that she's tone deaf. <laughs> she may have been tone deaf regardless of the surgery or not. So <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. I am. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> now you, you're moving to Encino. Why is everyone moving into Encino? And should this be called the Real Housewives of Encino? I mean, the real houses of San Fernando Valley. Um, you know, the thing for us is once this pandemic happened and all these changes shifted, you realize, like, we love our house. Like, it's amazing. It's beautiful. It has an incredible view. But, like, if I'm going to be, like, home, like, the kids are going to be home all the time doing school, all these different things, just certain things we wanted to shift around. So we weren't solely looking in Encino. We were looking everywhere. But I was like, instead, like, right now we are in the hills. We're like in the Hollywood Hills. So there, you know, it's, we have a multi-level house and yes, there's a pool and we have a play area for the kids, but it's like, you know, it's just different. If we had never had Dove, we would still stay in this house because we love it. But with the newborn and soon she's going to be walking around, we were like, okay, oh, yeah. that's going to be a lot, especially with, especially with the big kids home from school. Like we need to shift things around. And it took me a little while to convince my husband because this is like his dream home. I'm like, I promise we can move back to a house like this. I promise you, please. But I mean, we're an escrow on the house. So you never want to like fully jinx it. But I was like, whatever, I'm, I'm putting it out there into the universe and hopes that like the deal definitely goes through because we love the house so much. And a lot of my other girlfriends with kids all live out there as well, because it's just, you know, for families, it's a really nice area. You know, we're like, uh, West Hollywood, Beverly Hills, all those places, you know, it's harder to find that much land and, you know, yeah. so it, it really is, it's a great place for family. Okay. So this year you're pregnant on the show. Was that a buzzkill at all for the others, for yourself, for filming? You know what, I, I, as much as this season has been brutal in some ways, 
And like, I wish we saw more of like the pregnancy journal, I mean, the pregnancy journey and like things with the kids and all of that type, because there were some really amazing moments this year that like we haven't gotten to see, but like, you know, it is what it is. Um, I There wasn't so many crazy partying nights as like the past years in general. So I wasn't ever having, you know, a lot of our nights were like very tense and yeah. like, I don't know that me having extra drinks would have helped in those scenarios. So like, I'm always grateful that I like had my wits about me during them. And, you know, if if there's a next year, I'll be thrilled to be able to have a couple glasses of wine here and there. Oh, no doubt. So this season has been, um, yeah, I, I feel like it's one large dinner party. It's like a bunch you guys just like sitting around and chatting about the same conversation the whole time. When you're filming, do you ever get frustrated like, oh, my God, we're going back to this again? Well, I think the hard part is, is that even though it, the, conversa- the conversation kept changing, we were trying to move past and get to the new issue, but then it kept being brought back to an original one. So, like, th- even though it started out between whatever we were talking about with Denise and her kids being there it was really about just saying like own how you're feeling so that then we can move on. And then it became no longer about that. It became how Aaron was talking to us and then it became how Aaron was doing that. You know, like it kept shifting, but you know, Denise would continue to bring it back to the original conversation because the original conversation, of course, nobody wants stuff talked about in front of their children. We all understood that. But our point is why why have a housewife's dinner at your house where you said it's to clear the air if you don't want things brought up? The conversation would be moving. I mean, you can even see at, at Erica's shoe dazzle event, Erica tries to talk to Denise about the Aaron thing. And then Denise goes, no, but I want to talk about and brings it back to the past again. So that's her just wanting to control the situation because that's one that the viewers are always going to side with her on instead of talking about what our real issues had become. Do you ever feel like um, you watch stuff back and you're like, wait, what? Like there are all these other pieces that are going on at one time. And then you have a totally different perspective once you see it play back. Well, I think a lot of the times also like the confessionals. So, you know, in the moment, you pretty much know what's going on. Yes, there were pieces that were missed, like, the dinner, I mean, the picnic at Kyle's, I didn't realize that Aaron had said, I'm going to crush your effing hand to Denise as she was leaving. And like, that made me feel really bad after watching that and like gave me, you know, I didn't know that even happened until it aired. Um, So that kind of thing you don't know in the moment. But um, when it comes to the conversations, you're, you're pretty aware. But then what happens is you think you're cool with somebody and then you see their confessionals. Or, you know, just things will shift if they talk about you behind your back and they haven't said it to your face. And then you're angry about something or you're hurt by something that you really thought you'd moved on from. Oh, I see. Okay. Another question I had is you were upset this season because um, Denise had said that you were living in your dad's shadow. But I kind of thought, like, I don't know. Is it that bad? I mean, your dad is a nice shadow. Like, he's not that bad. Like, maybe <laughs> if he was like Jeffrey Dahmer, I'd get it. I said this to Andy the other day. I said, listen, I love my dad. I am so proud of my dad. 
if that was the only thing that she had said, I, you know, whatever, it's, it's something that people have thrown out before because it's an easy one to, you know, to try to see if it lands. But when you then add it to desperate to be in this friend group, which what she means is desperate to be on this television show. Right. And, you know, all those other things. And then she ends up admitting in the confessional, well, I said way worse things to Brandy than what Teddy even knew. Then I was like, okay, so you just, this is always my point. Just have the conversation with me so that we can get to a comfortable place. Do you, did you ever feel like from the get go that like, did you get along with Denise or did you ever just feel like maybe we're just not the same kind of people? I, you know, I had some fun times with Denise the year before. Um, I just started seeing a lot of inconsistencies. And I think the biggest thing for me is, listen, I am type A. I can be controlling. I can have laugh at myself. I can have fun. I can be all of these different things. But I am myself, the good, the bad, and the other. And I, what I started realizing with Denise that had shifted this season from last season was that it didn't really seem like she was being herself. She was being somebody that she thought the audience would like. Like maybe she saw something about herself from last season that she didn't like how it came out. Like maybe how she talked about the happy endings or whatever it may be. And she was trying to change the persona of what some people thought. And then when you try to do that and you try to control what the audience sees versus how you're responding with the real relationship, it affects the group because now all of a sudden it doesn't feel real. Mm. Okay. Lots of people wanted to know about the Kim and Brandy packing scene. Um, people had speculated that it was taped after the Rome, Rome trip. And I wanted to give you the opportunity to kind of explain that moment. Well, I, here's the truth. I could send you the pictures right now to prove that it was before the Rome trip. Um, because I have a picture where I was making fun of Kyle's packing way before they showed up. Um, so that's definitely, I'm happy to even send you that proof when we get off, uh, this call, but it never, I mean, here's the thing, the show, yes, it can, you know, it can show complete craziness, but they're not, I've never known them to be shifty like that, Yeah. you know, to make up something after the fact. Um, I, you know, I just, I haven't ever seen that. And of course, the reason that made Rome so awkward, you could see me even in that shopping scene where Denise is talking to me, I'm in a full blown panic because I know I have to have a conversation with her because I was told this prior to Rome. I see. And, and then the last part of that is, uh, Brandy, uh, people kind of are like confused how she, it seemed like she just like popped out of nowhere did you guys have a hard time believing her? I mean, just given the things that have happened over the, you know, the last few years on and off the show, did, did you guys all collectively have a moment where you're like, I don't know if we can really trust this information, especially if somebody said something such, such personal attacks against you. Like, did you have a moment where you're like, I don't know, maybe, maybe this wasn't said, like, I'll give Denise the benefit of the doubt. So I think, you know, for a lot of the women on the show, they have a personal relationship with Brandy. You know, they were on the show with her. They knew her. They had good and bad situations with her. I never had that. You know, like I've maybe met her two or three times in my life. So for me, in that moment, when I'm sitting at Kyle's, we're packing, we're talking, I could feel the way Brandy was feeling. You know, when you're having a conversation and you can tell, like her hand was shaking. She was nervous. She was sad. You could tell that like her feelings were truly hurt, that she felt betrayed, that like 
all of these. So like, I really trusted her in that moment. And then, you know, I still wanted to give Denise the benefit of the doubt. And had we had that conversation in Rome and she said, listen, Teddy, you know, it's not, I may have said those things about you. Sometimes you drive me crazy, blah, blah, blah. I was venting to her. She's a friend. It all could have ended there. But she doubled down and said, I don't even know her. I have no, I distanced myself from that person. And that's when I knew, like, and I think that's when most of the women knew, you're not being honest. Because we were all at BravoCon before that, where she said how much she loved Brandy and how she'd love to have Brandy back on the show and how great she is. So it's like, which one is it? And then you'd see each night she'd come up with a new portion of the story. And then it was, well, now this, or I did talk to her then, or I did that, you know, so it was just inconsistent where it could have really just landed with her, you know, just saying, yeah, Teddy, you know what? I don't really like you. I do think you're desperate or you're bugging or blah, 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 or you're living your daughter or whatever it is that she said, but she didn't do that. She chose to go the other way. She chose to go double down and continue trying to live this persona of being, you know, nice to everybody, not judgmental, laid back, you know, whatever it is. And then did you think that Dan or Andy was hard on you guys on Watch What Happens Live? You know, it's always hard to have conversations um, when you feel like you have to be on the defense a little bit, but you know what you're, you know what you're getting into. And, you know, I truthfully answered everything the way that I have to answer them because it it is what it is. And I know that, you know, you're going to pick who you agree with and who you don't agree with. And I think that I, yes, I can be annoying. I can be whatever it may be, but most of the time my thoughts are valid. So yes, you might not like my delivery or you may not like what it is, but if you really lay it out there, my thoughts are actually valid and how it plays out. What has it been like for you to be um, on on a show at this age? Because body image, obviously we all have daughters and we worry about that, but I also worry about women our age who feel incredible pressure because of social media and, and, and television to look a certain way. And we know that a lot of women on television have had plastic surgery, you know, injections, et cetera. Um, what is it like to live within a TV show? Do you, do you get that sense that people feel like that, that women look to the housewives as like kind of their, their, what they envision to, to look like? Is there this pressure that you can also feel? And is it fair? And what can women do to just kind of um, put into perspective the reality of what a body should look like after having children or being over a certain age? I think that the biggest key to feeling, you know, one comparison kills all joy. So like so if you're true. trying to compare yourself to somebody, somebody else, you are going to feel bad every single time. I think the biggest thing that I work on and, it's, I'm not, it's not an everyday as perfect situation for me is that I feel good in my own skin. So I'm doing things that are going to make me feel good. I know that being active, I know that going on hikes with my family, I know that eating relatively clean makes me feel, you know, like all of these things are going to make me feel better. That being said, I also try to tell, you know, even people that I work with, you know, Instagram, MTV, it's like a highlight. 
So like if you're following these influences or whoever it may be, half the time they're Facetuned, half the time this is happening, follow people that you actually can learn things from. Like I don't follow people that make me feel bad about myself. I follow people that like, wow, I love this recipe or I love this information or I love the way she talks about body image because that's what makes me feel good. And I think oftentimes we follow people that we can't, people will follow people that drive them crazy or make them feel bad. Don't do it. It's just not worth it. And that's why on my Instagram, yes, I'll show glammed out photos from the show and all that. But then also half the time you're going to see me with, you know, frizzy hair, red skin, and with my kids just like living my life as it is. And I think that you have to show the balance of it all. And you have to know that not every day you're going to wake up and be like, wow, I feel amazing about myself. I look so great. I'm this, I'm that. And that's okay too. It's, you don't want that toxic posit- positivity. You want like to just be able to to feel good in your own skin for the most part and do what you've got to do. But no one is perfect. And half of the people on Instagram do not look like the pictures that they're showing. <laughs> and you just have to kind of take it with a grain of salt. And also, I'm sure that the women that are on the shows feel pressure too. I mean, it's 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 not just the the audience that feels pressure. It would seem that you're in a pressure filled situation too, because people inevitably are going to comment on the way you look, and you have to have quite thick skin, I would assume, to kind of handle that. I think you have to. I think you have to kind of know who you are and what you know. People oftentimes be like, "You're you know, you look disgusting," or you're like, you know, blah blah blah, like whatever it may be. You're like your man hands, or but you know, it's just the craziest things that people will go after and it's just I kind of make a joke of it or laugh at it um because that's my my coping mechanism for it um but I also think you have to remember if if somebody's attacking the way you look physically it really has a lot to do with them and nothing to do with you okay so one thing that you want people to to know about this season of the show and uh, and what are you working on now uh, one thing I want people to know, okay, I think that the biggest thing is like, yes, this show has been tense. This year has been hard. Um, I hope as you keep watching and you watch the reunion, you really like pay attention to the details. And even though, you know, you may have already decided in your head, you have to understand that like there's so many moving pieces and just, you know, keep an open mind. And if you are one of those keyboard warriors, yeah, you're going to pick your favorites. You're going to pick who you don't like. But just remember your words that we are actually human beings as well. And, you know, we do a TV show. And I'm not saying I can't take it, but I do think that some of the things that people say in the world of social media, has got, it's gotten too far. Um, and, I, you know, just try to remember that. And I I think try to have fun with it. And this should be for entertainment. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Watch it and look, wow, these women are crazy. I'm so glad that isn't me. Yeah. It's a nice escape. It's a good escape from from everything else that's going on. It's a complete escape. And, And then just working on, you know, I'm really grateful that All In is able to support so many people right now. I mean, we're over 15,000 lives changed. I have over 40 coaches that work for me. And they all are graduates of the program. We are honestly loving that we are here to support people right now because 
so many people are needing that extra support and that extra communication and knowing that we're all in this together. And that's really been my primary focus right now. And then also truthfully getting ready for my kids to start school in our home. So that's yeah, really my two big, big <laughs> concerns right now. And then where can people find more information about um, the company and where can they follow you on social media? Uh, you can follow me on social media at Teddy Mellencamp or find more info about the company at um, allinbyteddy.com. Thank you, Teddy. Thank you so much for having me. The amazing Kate Casey. <laughs> I want to thank my great guests this week, Nadine and Teddy. I remind you guys to go to iTunes, leave a five-star review on iTunes, and to join the Facebook group to talk about this episode and other episodes, it's Reality Life with Kate Casey. In the search button, you can find me on Twitter at, at Kate Casey. Just this week, I've been tweeting with a bunch of people about the greatest MTV stars in history. So jump in and talk with us about that. You can find me on Instagram at, at Kate Casey CA. You can see what shows I'm watching during the week. And also, who are my upcoming guests and upcoming shows that you need to watch? By the way, there's this really good show I watch a screener for on HBO called Singletons. And you guys will definitely want to watch that. And of course, you can join my Patreon page, patreon.com backslash Kate Casey. You can get bonus episodes. Checking back with you next week. So have a great weekend. Are you ready for an all-new season of Survivor? You better be, because Survivor 46 is here, and it's 90 minutes of twists and turns you don't want to miss. Better yet, after each episode, there's a brand new episode of On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. Each week, we go behind the scenes of the episode's biggest moments, taking you into the how and the why things happened. And this season, we're very lucky to be joined by an expert, the winner of Survivor 45, Divya Daris. What is up? I'm thrilled to be joining this team and to be giving you my take on how and the why players made the moves they did, what it takes to outwit, outplay, and outlast, and to ask Jeff some questions because even after 26 days out there, there is still a lot for me to uncover. Bring it, D. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.